this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert, coming at you with another episode as the Phillies continue their postseason run. We're going to preview their NLDS series against the Atlanta Braves. First time since 2011 that they're in the National League Division Series. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Honestly, the best part about the Phillies winning the wild card round was okay, you have Zach Eflin on the mound pop up to Edmundo Sosa over in foul ground and he catches it. And my first thought, not not really, but we can pretend. My first thought, dude, another wild card. Sorry, another playoff preview pod. I'm so <laughs> glad that we get to do this because these are my favorite. That was my first thing. My second thing, shout out to the Phillies for making some news about 30 seconds before we started recording. Rob Thompson's going to be the full-time skipper uh, moving on past this year to next year. Uh, we can we can talk about that in a few seconds, in a few minutes. But my third thing I wanted to bring up, and I told you I was going to just spring this on you without warning you in advance. Can we talk about the Mets just briefly? Uh, sure. <laughs> because... Dude, sure. the Phillies go. We'll we'll put we'll put a spin on this to, you know, talk about it in the context of this team. The Phillies go five and fourteen against the Mets this year, thoroughly outclassed in every way all season. They finish fourteen games behind them in the standings, and go further than them in the playoffs. The Mets win hundred one games, and you thought that they were Met free. You thought that they were invincible to Metting this year because they won 101 games and how can you met when you win 101 games but boy this might be the biggest met in recent memory like that team had world series aspirations not a couple weeks ago and then they get swept by the braves they lose to the padres joe musgrove has stuff on his ears but not really they try to get him out of the game with that it seems to only make him better the mets are going home like this has to be i don't i only know a few Mets fans, and I'll be sure to ask them, but this has to be the worst instance of Metting in recent memory because this was the team that had the loftiest expectations and just crashed. All right, I have a few thoughts there. Um, I, I think I think this still is second right behind in 2020 when they lost Yoannis Cespedes and couldn't find him. That That was one of the funniest things to ever happen. Eventually, he did turn up. <laughs> didn't and he get like a? Didn't he get like chased by a wild boar or something? That was that was that was something else. Like that was when he that was when he got hurt. Yeah, but, but in 2020 he came back, and then they they like couldn't find him, and they put out a tweet about how they couldn't find him, like a press release. But uh, <laughs> but in in fairness to Buckshaw Walter, even though it was like kind of like a desperate, almost loser move. Joe Musgrove's ears were like ridiculously shiny for some reason. <laughs> they yeah, were, they were. They were like really shiny. And uh, but when that stuff just, doesn't work, like 
most of the time it's just gonna like fire up the pitcher even more. I just think it was you've funny. seen it, you've seen it like with Scherzer, he wasn't on the Mets then, but you've seen it with with that with when Girardi tried to do it to yeah. uh to Max Scherzer last year. I was gonna say the same exact thing. I think it's funny that it happened to the team that Max Scherzer is a part of because of obviously what happened with Girardi that one year and it made him pitch super well from that point on and Joe Musgrove did the same and yeah that was kind of that's that's a brutal way for the Mets season to end especially on a weekend where the Phillies and Braves are going to play each other in the NLDS yeah and you know like, like you said it's it's of course everybody wants to make the jokes about the Mets and they are funny in a lot of ways they're true I mean doing all the the trumpet stuff when with Edwin Diaz coming into the game on on Sunday when they're losing by like four runs and Mr. Met has the trumpet and they're doing the whole thing. It's like, all right. Uh, maybe you could have thought that went through a little bit more. Do you think they shouldn't have done the trumpet? They should have played the song. It's his walk-in song. But maybe like relax on Mr. Met, like trying to hype up the crowd with this trumpet. It's just a, a little tone deaf. <laughs> like read the room. The booze in that stadium, like – it was happening every time a Met made an out with like from the eighth inning on and maybe yeah. even earlier. I only had the sound on at that point. So yeah, brutal. brutal. It's, it's just the way, it's just the way it goes, I guess, in a short series, like that team, like was definitely good enough to to go on and, and make a deep run. It's just, it didn't happen. They didn't show up there. The, the guy they signed last off season to be one of their two aces got shelled in, in game one and Max Scherzer and, just like that, they're they're out of it. It's kind of it's just how it goes. Yeah. I haven't seen a season come crashing down the way as fast as they did when they got swept by the Braves last weekend. Because like they were at a point where the Brett they, they didn't really choke away the NL East. The Braves just kind of took it. Yeah. And they really they, they won, they won a hundred games. They won a hundred one. Yeah. They they really just had to win one of three against the Braves and they got swept and then both of their aces are in shambles and you're looking at the Padres who like the Padres are fine. They're good. But you're looking at that is still like, that's a, that's a winnable series for the Mets. They probably should win it. And two out of three games, they just get shellacked. So yeah, brutal, brutal time to be a Mets fan. All right. But before we get into the series preview Phillies um, versus the Braves, like you mentioned before, a little bit of news, um, doesn't seem like it's been officially announced yet, but Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philly tweeted just a couple of minutes before we started recording that he's hearing the Phillies will remove the interim tag on Rob Thompson sometime soon. He's going to be the Phillies manager full-time next season and, and probably beyond no details for what the contract will be or anything like that yet, but it makes perfect sense. It's well-deserved. He turned the Phillies around. The Phillies, the Phillies after that, after that series against the Mets, actually, in New York in, in May, I think late May would have been the timing. They, they were dead. They, they were absolutely dead this season, even though it was early, looked over. They go and they play the Giants for a game or two in Philly, and then after a win, they fire Joe Girardi. They bring in Rob Thompson, and even though it got a little dicey in September, for the most part, it's been a complete turnaround. They win a postseason series. Everybody seems to be bought in in the clubhouse, and they, they made the right move here. 
Yeah, I from the start, I had been kind of thinking as soon as Thompson took over and they got hot, I was like, is it Thompson or is it not Girardi? Does that make sense? Like what's what's really the cause behind the turnaround here? And in the first month or so, I think it was fair to to assume that it may be the latter. Then you get further and further away from it several months out, and it's like, okay, the Girardi wave has passed. They're not really riding the wave of the firing anymore at this point. It seems like it might be a Thompson thing. Everyone's talking about how much they like him. And then September comes, September happens, and my hesitation there was like the whole calm thing you know keep everybody calm stay even keel blah 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 you need to turn it on a little bit and then it seems like they did that when they absolutely had to namely i guess kind of washington but especially houston game one and then they go into st louis and they take the two you know two games against a pretty experienced cardinals team and i was just so impressed we we talked about it last pod when they won the wild card round with how mature and how experienced they they looked and this is a team of the daycare right it's not a team of experienced players who have been here there are some guys like schwarber like castellanos harper who have been there robertson's been there but other than that yeah. these guys really haven't played a playoff game and they just looked so ready for it and that has to come back to the manager and i think it was we were talking about how it was pretty much a lock as soon as they made the playoffs if it wasn't a lock, then after they win that first round, it was definitely a, a, as lock as a lock can be. And so it sure. seems like the right move. It seems like, again, it, it it wasn't a thing you do at the end of June because you're not sure whether it's him or whether it's not the last guy. But I think now it's pretty clear that it was a combination of the two and not surprising. Uh, it's see that they, they just they just tweeted the team just said. Sign manager Rob Thompson to a two-year contract for the 23 and 24 seasons, Dave Dombrowski announced today. So two more years, what seems like he earned it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, I, I think I came up with this take like sometime in August or September um, that, that I want to unleash on the pod. Or maybe I said it on here. I don't really remember. But like there's a path for Rob Thompson to like pretty easily be on the Phillies Wall of Fame someday. They've yeah. made the pl- they've made the playoffs like 15 times in their entire history, which is pretty long. The Phillies have historically been really bad, and he's been the manager this season, made the playoffs in in his first year, and presumably they're in a in a spot with this expanded playoff system where throughout these next two years where he's under contract, they have a good shot to make the playoffs again in both these years. Obviously, we can't really project two years into the future what health will look like, everything like that. But I think like with this core, it's it's older, but it's not like they are as old as some of, say, the St. Louis Cardinals, like oldest the best players. Yeah, they're not the Mets where everyone's everyone's a free agent or old. They like they're in a position where Rob Thompson could like pretty easily like make the playoffs three times in yeah like as Philly's manager and it, it doesn't really take much more than that because they, no, uh, they haven't really had many managers that have made the playoffs three times so yeah like there's a there's a very realistic world where he is uh remembered as like one of the more favorable Philly's managers yeah and, and you don't have and to who, who would who would have thought that like I don't know, four months ago or something. 
yeah the, the <laughs> way the wall of fame seems to work like you don't have to be there for 15 years like you do to be in the hall of fame right you need to have a few moments be there for a couple of years and do something special that people are going to remember for a long time and he's done a lot of that work already and yeah i think that's that's a that's a good take i like that do you think i wonder if like the reason why they respond to him so well is because i feel like at the start of the 20 whenever they hired girardi which was before 2019 2019 no 2020 before 2020 right yes no yeah yeah yes 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 they yeah. fired gabe kapler after 2019 yeah like they they get the big name manager and it almost felt like that's what they were going for like they 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 wanted somebody who's been around the game a long time but like everybody knew household name like oh this team's fully in as almost a way to like send a message to the team that they're ready now they're not going to do the Kapler McCannon thing but they're going to go and get the the big splash and it felt like that just kind of added a bunch of pressure like in in hindsight I'm going to be honest when they when they hired him I thought it was a good move uh, I'll just say I think I think a lot of people did but it almost seemed like that put a lot of added pressure on them like oh now not only do we have this core that should be ready now but now we have Joe Girardi and now this team should be super good and I wonder if what they needed was something that just wasn't that and Rob Thompson has been around the game a long time he's a baseball you know he's 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 a baseball guy he's been around the game forever but he's not a household name he wasn't a household name. he's still not a household name nobody really knew who he was unless you followed the team closely until or the Yankees I guess um until he took over in in early June and I wonder if that kind of helps them and I wonder if Kapler too he wasn't a huge name when they hired him but he brought a lot there was he was a outgoing he was a weird guy like he was a weird guy and he made a bunch of news he made a bunch of headlines even if he wasn't a, a household name prior to being you know uh hired by the team and then he had some history with some you know conduct stuff that we don't need to get into right now but like I wonder if they just needed somebody who was a not a big name and B just wasn't a lot to handle. And Rob Thompson seems to fit both of those bills. And I think that makes him a good fit for a team that as we've talked about, once they get the burden lifted off of their backs, they seem like they become a better group. We saw that over the wildcard round, like once they make the playoffs they're they're in, they don't have to carry this weight. I, I wonder if that extends to the manager too. They don't have to carry this weight of having the big name guy and Thompson is exactly what they need. Yeah, I just, I, I think that's a good point. I feel like with both Kapler and Girardi, um, for, you know, the good parts and bad parts of both their styles as managers, like Gabe Kapler last year, he um, had over a hundred win team, won, won the division in the, the NL West, and Joe Girardi, like a World Series winning manager, they're both like pretty intense, kind of different ways of intensity. But like if things aren't going well, you could definitely see how it starts to like weigh on players and um and it just like maybe create just like an extra like an extra burden a little bit uh, of pressure. And I think, like you said, Rob Thompson, like being a guy that was in the background for so long he, he was around for both Kapler and Girardi could probably see like the different parts of their tenures that didn't work 
and he comes in as someone who's been around and knows the players and knows the situation, but like, wasn't the guy in charge for so long and could just kind of be himself in a larger role. And he kind of told them like, he's going to be the same kind of guy and he's, and he's laid back and he just like has his players backs. So I think it, may, it, it makes for a good situation where, where the players can not always worrying all the time and they can, they can enjoy the enjoy the good parts and and the bad parts of the season. Maybe it'll take a little bit to to figure out, but they won't really be pressing quite as much as maybe they did before. Question for you: I, I don't think I necessarily agree with this. I'm just trying to like exhaust all the possible angles here. Does the timing surprise you? Like the fact, even if it was a lock, does it surprise you that they announced it now? Because I think there's a case to be made. Again, I don't know if I agree with this case, but there's a case to be made that the fact that he didn't have the, the full-time tag, like almost gave them an extra like motivation in, in a sense to earn him the job. And like, because they, they, they felt like they took a lot of blame for Girardi being fired. And I wonder if the fact that Thompson was just the interim guy added something and they were like, oh, we need to go out and get this guy the full-time job. And now that he has it, do you think that's going to have any effect? I don't think that's what I, no, believe, I don't, I, I don't just think wonder. So. And it's okay. like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. Like the players, they're like, they're not like children. They, they, I think they knew yeah, like, it's true. once yeah. they won, once they won this weekend, like, all right, was, this guy, this guy's going to be back. And maybe like, the extra excitement for him like is an extra motivator in reality it's like any of that like the label is probably not going to make like a big difference in the series but it's cool it's probably i'm sure they're enjoying it today i'm sure that they're they're happy for for thompson yeah i think they felt like they were playing for their guy for a lot of the season and now that he's the full-time guy officially they feel maybe even more like they're playing for their guy and that might add something against the braves yeah, definitely. All right. Do you let's let's move into this season season preview. I sorry, series preview. I guess while we're on the topic of contract extensions, we can mm-hmm. touch on Spencer Strider, the Braves right-hander who breakout season for him. Um not entirely sure what his situation is injury-wise, but Atlanta did announce this morning that they signed him to a contract extension for six years. One of their many extensions. They did it again. Yes, they did it again. And we don't have to fully go into that, but Strider, he's a big part of their future, but right now it's a bit of a question mark. He's throwing. Apparently he's saying that he feels all right, but it's still not exactly sure if he's going to pitch. And if he does pitch, what is his role going to be? So that's that in previewing this series that creates like, I don't know, some, some troubles, I guess, in, in doing predictions and forecasting how this is going to play out. So it, the contract thing is insane that the Braves keep on getting away with this. I don't know what's happening there, but as far as the NLDS goes, it sounds like they're, pretty optimistic that he can throw my guess is that they would use him in game four just because it's an extra day to get fully back um it doesn't really matter who throws game three versus game four whoever doesn't throw game three 
would throw game four between him and Charlie Morton. I mean, so, I guess it matters if the Phillies like go to Atlanta and win two in a row. That's true. In that's five true. Game series. That's true. Okay. Sure. He'll throw game three or game four. Game three if he if he has to. Game four if the Braves win at least one of the first two. Right. Um. I don't know if they would. I don't know how long they would use him just because he is an important part of their future. They just signed this extension. Of course, he hasn't pitched in a while. I wonder if he'd be just like a four or five inning guy. We've seen him go pretty deep into games. So maybe that would turn into six plus if he's really effective, which he has been against the Phillies this year. But it seems, as you said, like everything kind of hinges. Well, not everything hinges on his health, but the Phillies are coming into Atlanta with obviously not the luxury of lining up their staff for these five games. They're going to have Ranger Suarez starting in game one, probably looking at Bailey Falter in game four. And then game five, if it comes to it, would probably be Ranger again. Wheeler Nola probably only pitch once, unless there's a chance that Wheeler throws game two and then he's ready for like an inning or two out of the pen in game five if they have to. But from a starting pitching perspective, they only get you know, they only get their their top guys for one start each. The Braves also, that if they don't have Strider, that obviously cuts into the advantage that they have there, and they don't exactly have the luxury of lining up their staff too. If Strider can't go, it seems like they would use Morton game three and then a bullpen game four, which would start with Jake Odorizzi and maybe like Jesse Chavez takes down a couple innings there too. And that's where you get into, yeah, the Phillies don't have their staff fully stocked. But if you have two games against Charlie Morton, who's been not super effective this year, and then one game against a Braves pen, that is great. But you never, like the the best pen in the sport doesn't want to do a bullpen game in, you know, October. Does that starting pitching edge go to the Phillies there? Because you're looking at a game three, which is Nola Morton, and then game four, which is probably Falter, which you know obviously isn't your ace, but... Then the then the falter start becomes a, a a pretty winnable game. You have falter against the bullpen at home. I don't know. It seems like if Strider can't go, it's almost a toss up from the rotation perspective because the Braves are really only getting, you know, something that they want in, and that would be Fried, Freed, got Fried. That was bad. Freed, Kyle Wright in games one and two, and then Freed again in game five. The Phillies would get three of their guys too in um, Wheeler, Nola, and then two starts of Ranger, which is pretty solid there. I don't know. It it almost feels like if Strider can't go, you like what started as a clear advantage in the rotation on the Brave side becomes much more of a toss up, I would say. I, I think you are maybe putting too much of a positive spin on game four falter at Citizens sure. Bank Park. Uh, sure. like a fly ball left-hander like him at CBP against this lineup, even if it is a little diminished, like with seemingly no Ozzy Albies, who if Ozzy Albies was playing in this series, hitting right-handed against Bailey Falter at Citizens Bank Park, I think that would be like the most lock of a homer of all time. Um, but it's not going to happen most likely because it seems like Albies is going to be still on the injured list throughout this series. But yeah, the, the falter start does worry me. And I think they probably split that with Cindergard in some capacity 
Uh, Why? Because be, who else would you rather it be? Do you think Bailey Falter going trying to go like five six innings against this lineup is like a great formula? It's a better formula than pitching Noah Syndergaard in a playoff game. I I, I don't think. Why I do agree. you need to pig? Why do you need to piggyback with the season on the line? Let's say. Let's say. Okay. Games one and two, let's say they split them. Let's say the Braves are up two to one going into game four. And we might try to pod after game two sometime during that off day. So we can revisit this conversation if we need to. But let's say the Braves are up two to one going into game four. The Phillies have to win that game. They just had an off day on Thursday, NOLA Wednesday. So their bullpen is probably pretty good to go. They had two off days, Sunday, Monday, this week. Let's say they get four innings out of their starter, whoever it is, probably Falter. Are you going to go to Cindergard for two innings there because you need to get to the sixth? Or are you going to go piece together the outs where you can and take care of that game as much as you have to and then worry about game five when you get there? Like, you're not saving any of the bullpen if your back's against the wall in game four. If they're up two to one, maybe you approach it from a different perspective. But, like, I don't think they're going to do the the the, you know, get through six innings with like Thor on the mound for two of them, because you just don't have that luxury at this point in the season. You don't have that need either. You're going to have the off days. You're going to have enough um, like ammunition and your pen builds up that you don't have to do that. I don't know why Noah Syndergaard would be tasked with, unless the situation arises where he absolutely has to, and they have no other option. Like I think you give falter pretty much a regular start there and then piece together the outs where you can with the bullpen. I just I just don't think I trust Falter to go more than like one time through the order in in a playoff game. Just too fly ball prone. I, I think you're playing with fire. I mean, I guess we'll see. But not like the even Cinder, if he... not the Cinder guard doesn't like get hit hard. I think game four, like it's uh, I don't I don't know. I think that one is a potential to to be a disaster for the Phillies a little bit. I guess we'll see. Maybe you're right that I'm I'm putting too much of a of a spin on that. But I mean, what are you taking? Are you, are you taking Freed, Wright, Morton, a bullpen game, and then Freed, or are you taking Suarez, Wheeler, Nola, Falter, Suarez? I'm it, probably it, I. It that's, just it that's depends a, that's what Strider can do. It depends what Strider can do. Yeah. Like if it's a straight bull, if he's not going to throw, and it's like a straight bullpen game. Like I'm probably taking the Phillies there, but if Strider can make close to normal start, I think you're probably leaning Atlanta. Yeah, I think if if Strider can give you anything close to a normal start, the Braves have a clear and decisive edge in their rotation. If he can't throw it all, I'm calling it a toss-up. All right, I guess we already started it without officially doing it. Let's do our our head-to-head comparisons and, and between the teams positionally. We got the starting pitchers out of the way. It looked like, but. Do you want to do you want to take us through the rest? I know you have the list. Travis Darno versus JT Real Muto at catcher, Edge Philadelphia. Yes, it, maybe maybe we get the the Travis Darno revenge series. Maybe he's upset that they that the Phillies dealt him uh, many years ago. But other than that, I, I well, think it, that it's Real Muto. It feels like every time they've played him, the last couple of years has been the Travis Darno revenge series. So. It wouldn't be anything new, but even even still, I got to go edge JT there. Matt Olson, Reese Hoskins at first. Braves probably at the edge there. Yes, especially 
uh, Reese Hoskins did not, and Reese Hoskins did not look good against the Cardinals. Only two games, but not exactly the most encouraging. Second base, Orlando Arcia slash Von Grissom. It sounds like he might start game one uh, versus Gene, the hero of game one in St. Louis. I think that's a that's pretty close. Like Grissom had a pretty good start to this rookie year. Um, I think I'm going to lean Segura there. I kind of trust him at this point. Yeah, I would if you factor in. If you're, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, I'll go wash there, but I can okay. I can see giving the edge to Segura there, especially, sure. yeah, if you want to factor in what he did in the wild card round. I, I know it was only one hit and he didn't exactly, you know, rope a double into the gap, but it was a big spot and he stepped up. Had a, had a nice bunt in, in game two. Great bunt. Very important. <laughs> yes. I don't uh, know okay. why he bunted. <laughs> Me either. Third base, Austin Riley, Alec Bohm. For as good as Bohm was in yeah. the wild card series, you're going to have to go with Austin Riley. Yeah. Edge to the Braves there for sure. Dansby Swanson versus Bryson Stott. I think it's another pretty obvious. Yes, Swanson. Eddie Rosario, who apparently has been brutal at the plate this year, despite being an October hero last year, versus Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber didn't look great in the wild card series either, but I think even still you have to yeah. go with Schwarber. H- had some, got, got some important runs in with, with fly balls at the very least. Over a guy, yeah, for sure. Over a guy who had a... OPS of 587 with a war of negative 1.6 in the regular season. Obviously, Schwarber there. Yes. Michael Harris, the second versus Brandon Marsh out in center field. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be Harris. He um, is another rookie of the year candidate. He's very good. Very good year. Very good year. Harris for sure. Right field. This is, remember on the last pod we did which actually turns out to be kind of ironic because we did Bohm versus uh, Arenado. And I I read off the name and then I read off the next one because there was not even a conversation to be had there. Bohm outplayed him in every facet of the game. So in hindsight, that was kind of a jinx on my part. But I'm going to do the same thing again here because we have Ronald Acuna Jr. versus Nick Castellanos or Matt Veerling. Don't know if we need a ton of words dedicated to this conversation. Maybe it turns out the same way that the Bohm Arenado debate did, but my guess here is it does not. Yeah, I agree. And while we're on, while we're on right field, I, I think we have to we yeah. have to discuss this. If maybe if the this conversation would be a little bit closer, if the Phillies do what they should do to give them the best chance of winning in the next series, and basically platoon Nick Maton and Matt Veerling in right field. I don't think they're going to do it, but Nick Castellanos, I don't think he deserves to, to play in the series. And like, in all honesty, maybe this blows up in my face and he hits a no, big home run and people are going to say, look how stupid this guy is. But like Nick Castellanos has not earned a spot on the roster. No, he hasn't. I do think like, this season in a in a vacuum, he shouldn't be on the roster. There is as as much as you hate to say, like you're giving preferential treatment to a guy because of a contract. Like you're gonna have him for four more years, and he's gonna be an important part of this team. If he's off the playoff roster right now in season one, regardless of how bad he's been, 
that is a tough, tough way to start out a five-year contract. I don't know if he's going to take that super well, especially, you know, he seems like a, the kind of personality who would take that the wrong way. Well, there's no right way to take it. It means that you're not playing well, but yeah, I, it, the, it, it's like, maybe you don't start him. Maybe you pull him early, but even even though it's a five game set and it's October and you have to do all you can to win now, I, it feels like over the course of the next five years, they would lose more in leaving him off the roster than they would now in, you know, putting, or you, you get what I'm saying. They, they lose more yeah, in the, the long run than they gain in the, I get in the short term. But also like it's, it's the playoffs, like yeah. your 26 best For players sure. on the team. You want to, you want to talk about a statement Thompson can make by coming in and saying, look, I'm the guy now. You got paid a hundred mil. Doesn't matter. This is my team. Watch the playoffs from well. He'd still be with the team, but you're not on the roster. Like, yeah, would, would, a, would he? he maybe maybe he would uh pull a, a little Araldus Chapman and go home if he didn't think he was gonna be on the roster. Which <laughs> by the way is incredibly wild to, to see yeah. how how that finished out. Yeah. Oh, we were just talking about players for New York baseball teams not their teams not knowing where they are when they're supposed yeah. to be somewhere. They knew they knew where Chapman was. They knew he was at home, but he was not at the at the workout before the playoffs. Remember a couple of years ago when he was like, I've done many wrongs in the past and it's now my job to rectify them and I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna be a different guy. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. His his free agency is going to be interesting after this Yankees pitcher this is from Nightingale just now Yankees pitcher Aroldis Chapman said he would attend the mandatory workout if he was for sure going to be on their postseason roster the Yankees could not give him that promise Chapman stayed home in Miami the Yankees told him to stay there his Yankees career is over (laughs) yeah that's that's wild and it's like on some like like you said uh with Castellanos like they have him for a while and it, it that's not the case with Chapman um where he what he had been on the team for a long time um in different stints and he won't be back next year but you can understand why like these guys with like certain pool in the organization would get upset if they're not on the roster and why like a team might want to cater to that but at the same time, like you can empathize with that. But then you also have to like the other players on the team want the best players to to, to play. And like the guys who have outplayed them deserve to be on the roster and, and give the team the best chance. So it's like it can't just be about like this one guy that's that's underperforming, even no matter like what contract he's on or anything like that. Agreed. Should we do we already did the rotation? I it depends on Strider. I don't know. I've got, I've got edge Atlanta with him, slight edge Philly without him, but like more of an edge for the Braves with him than an edge for the Phillies without him, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Go to the bullpen. I'll I'll do like the top four thing again. They might need more depth out of their pen than they did in the wild card round when they only used did they only use four relievers? Alvarado, Dominguez, Robertson, Eflin. I don't remember anyone else throwing. Yeah. Yeah. So they might not need, or they they probably for sure will need more than they did in the first round. 
especially because they don't have that off day between game four and five now. It's just going to be straight Friday through Sunday for games we, three I just five. realized, I don't think we hit on DH. It's going to be We Bryce didn't Harper. hit on DH. Marcelo Zuna slash William Contreras versus Bryce Harper. Yeah, it's Harper. It's Harper in this case. Even though we picked against him last time and he, he told us that we were done with that home run in game two. Oh, well. Yeah, but then he like gave us a little bit more credit when he did that thing in the at the in the with the base running in the sixth inning, fifth inning, whatever it was. That's bad. Correct. Correct. Well, I mean, if if we're talking about base running, we did pick Albert Pujols over him. So <laughs> are the Cardinals the slowest team ever? I don't know if they're I asked this question. Last up time, there. But like they're dude, they're slow. Okay. Yeah, Harper there. I think even if he didn't hit that home run, you'd still got to go Harper here, but he did, yeah. and I think pretty much a lock there. Um, which was funny because Harper and Contreras were the final two in the All-Star race for the uh, All-Star game. And it was kind of close, even though Harper wasn't wasn't playing. He was way better at that point. It was kind of close. Harper still wins out, but maybe another rematch there. Okay, yeah, Edge, Harper. Going to the bullpen. As I said, they're probably going to need more than the four guys that they did in the wild card round. But let's just do the top four thing again because – I also don't follow the Braves pen on an everyday, you know, game to game. Um, but if we're going top four, we've got Kenley Jansen, Rysel Iglesias, AJ Minter, probably Colin McHugh versus Jose Alvarado, uh, Sir Anthony, David Robertson, Zach Eflin. Ed Braves here. Yeah. This one so this one's tough. This one's tough. If you get if you were in a situation where the Phillies get like September. Eflin and Alvarado, and they get like wild card round Dominguez and Robertson. wild card round Dominguez and Robertson. Like, I think there's a case to be made for the Phillies here, but I, it's like, I don't know. It's probably the Braves here. It's probably the Braves. And Eflin did not look that great in the wild card series, um, got hit around a little bit, but. Yeah, I, I I think it's a, an edge to the Braves, but I still like am overall pretty confident in the Phillies bullpen situation as a whole. Well, the thing too is like when I was doing the top fours, I had to think about who the Braves top four would be because there's a bunch of options there. With the Phillies, it's a pretty clear cut case. And even some of those guys haven't been throwing super well, like Zach Eflin. He's you know gotten the job done in those two games, but didn't exactly look like he did. At the end of the season, with the Braves, you have like Chavez, Lee could both take down, you know, big outs in high leverage spots. With the Phillies, if you're going past that, you've got like Bilotti or <laughs> Bilotti is I, who like who's your sixth hand? Hand, hand, hand probably hand. yeah, yeah, Bilotti hand. So I think if you if you look past the the top four like the edge becomes pretty even clearly more for the Braves. And I think yeah. even if you just go three or four guys, it's probably the Braves too, because yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if there was no three batter minimum, like there obviously is now, I feel like hand would be almost like exclusively a loogie in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if I'd trust him like against a, a righty right now, but what can you well, do? He also, he hasn't pitched since how long has he been out a while? Yes. Yep. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go and uh Iglesias Harper obviously hit the hit the game tying grand slam against him when he was an angel back in early June, the first like at the topper's third game. He's been awesome since he went over to the Braves. Kenley Jansen's been pretty good. Uh McHugh Minter both have low twos ERAs. So yeah, you're kind of banking on if if you want to make the bullpen matchup a matchup, you like, as you said, you need the best versions of all those four guys. But if we're going expected value, Edge probably got to go to the Braves there. Yeah. Yep. I, I so agree. we've got we've got Atlanta edges at first base, third base, shortstop, center field, right field, the rotation, we'll say, and the bullpen. And the Phillies have the edge at catcher, left field and designated hitter seems fair and maybe second yeah. base if you want to give yeah. Segura the edge there yeah I think the Braves are a better team I think they're a little deeper I think they're a little better at more spots but I still think the Phillies like have a good chance here yeah I do too I I think the Phillies they, they also finished 14 games behind the Braves in the, in the standings but like the, the Braves are really good let's not like they're they're very they're they might be better than your average 101 win team so this argument might be thrown out the window but the phillies the way they're playing right now they feel like more of a 93-ish win team kind of club because just the way that they played against the cardinals was i i like i think they proved a lot in the way that the the aces at the top of the staff are throwing the ball and they're getting enough from the bullpen and they're getting they have i don't know they've they've been finding ways to win games and like i said they they felt like I think the way I put it, I, I tweeted this out Sunday morning, was like they played in against the Cardinals like they were the team with three 40-year-old vets, but like with the energy of the daycare. And that's a that's a winning combo. And that's that's the kind of thing that makes you feel like they could go on this magical run if you want to get super optimistic. I don't think it's like completely out of the picture that in a five-game set you couple that with Wheeler Nola you know, some, some big hits here and there. They take one of two against the Braves in the first two. And then you come home to Citizens Bank Park behind Nola in a game three against like, there's a, there's a realistic outcome where Nola's throwing a game three against Morton or a bullpen game. The series is tied one to one. CBP's packed. They haven't seen a playoff game in 11 years. Like, if they split through two, you might give the edge from that point on to the Phillies. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the case. Um, it kind of like Sunday could get a weird. Like if you want to go Suarez or Wheeler for a shorter start on short rest, and then maybe you don't want to do that because he's been hurt and you still have to like worry about his arm, even with him pumping like ninety nine and in, in game one. It's all, yeah, it's all, uh, it's all a little weird and, and a little unpredictable, but there, like, there's definitely, there's definitely a world where if the Phillies steal one in, in in Atlanta to start the series where they, they have one's going to be tough. Yes, it is, but they're going to, they're going to have a shot. I think they're going to have a shot in this series. They probably lose, but, but you know, you never know. And, And I think they're in a decent spot to compete. I also like I know Kyle Wright won 21 games this year, which is crazy. And I know he had a well, he had a 319 earn run average on the on the season. Like he's good, don't get me wrong, 
But Wheeler, Kyle Wright in a game two, that feels ad Phillies, maybe. Like, yeah. I don't know if 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 Wright really imposes the same kind of dread out of a game two starter with your staff fully lined up that a Wheeler might or that Jacob DeGrom might or Max Scherzer might, even if they're in shambles right now. It's like, I don't know. I think game one's going to be tough. I think you have a pretty decisive edge for the Braves there, especially on, on the road with their ace and the Phillies number three, who, let's face it, didn't look good when he threw in Houston in game 161. So he had, a, he had a good start. He had a good start against Atlanta in September, if I recall. That's correctly. true. Yeah. Yeah. So game one might be tough, but if they can find a way to win game two, which game one is probably more ad Braves than game two is ad Phillies, I think you could say. Like I, I I could see the Braves obviously taking a two-nothing lead more than I could see them falling down 0-2. But if you can find a way to win one of those games, I think like I'll believe in the Phillies, and this might this isn't super bold, but like even if they split, I'll probably still take the Braves just because I don't see them losing two straight at CBP. It could happen when you give, you know, the Phillies the rotation that they have or the, you know, the matchup that they have. And maybe the the crowd is just too much for the Braves to, to handle. But, like, if you can find a way to split those first two games, you have a pretty good matchup in, 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 in game three. Like, you're feeling really good. Yeah, I, I'm with you right there. So before we do, we'll get to our... our series outcome predictions i think we can close the pod close the pod with that one yeah but let's do some predictions some bold takes i i think last series i predicted that kyle schwarber would lead off the series with a home run that didn't happen but something in, in that style like a like something bold you think is going to happen in this series where if it doesn't happen you know it's all right because it's really bold so nobody is going to get mad at us but then if it does happen we look like geniuses. So what, uh, what do you have? So I think the Phillies, this isn't the bold take. I think they win a game, but I think the way that they win the game, they might win multiple, but I think the way that they win one of their of their wins is on the strength of a go-ahead homer by Nick Castellanos. I think wow. he, yeah, with, with the lefties and the Braves pen and the staff, I guess it could be freed. It could be Minter, it could be Matzik, it could be any one of those guys. But like, I just feel like he's going to come up and he's going to hit a big homer against somebody. And it's going to be like, it's, it's, it feels wrong that I'm saying bold prediction. Nick Castellanos hits a big homer. That's kind of where we're at. Like, I wanted to go Bohm because he always plays pretty well at Truist Park, but that feels like not bold enough because he has been super good. He was very good against the um, uh, Cardinals. I think Castellanos hits a big homer, and I think it powers the Phillies to a win. All right, all right. I I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be it would be interesting. I I think like the way it goes, like this time of the year when you're in the playoffs, you will you can change a lot with just like a a couple moments or or one singular moment. And it seems like, like there is a situation that, like, there is potential for if Nick Castellanos has two bad games in games one, in game, like games one and two, and he is like one for 10 with a single and like has a misplay in the outfield because he's not very good defensively, where he goes back home for game three and he gets booed. Mm. I think that's possible. That's not my prediction. I'm just saying, like, that's the case. Yeah. 
that like it's possible. And then if at home in that game, like he hits a big home run, like everything changes, like for how people in, in Philadelphia think about him. It's just the way it goes in, in, yeah. in the playoffs where if he hits like a, like a two or three run, go ahead home run to, to come from behind and they win their first home playoff game. Uh, every, everything changes from there. I, I like, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I like the thought process behind that. Yeah, it, look, if you had to ask me straight up, do you think it happens or does not happen? No, probably not. But if we're talking bold predictions, expected value here, let's just, let's just go with it. I'm going to go really bold. I'm going to go let's bold here. Let's hear it. Rangers Suarez is going to close out game four with two scoreless innings on, on, on it would be his bullpen day. And I think they're, I, I think, I think they're going to go bold. I think he's the one guy in the starting rotation that they can get creative with. I think it going coming. Yeah. I, I think game three, depending how Nola goes, they're going to have to use some guys. Um, if Eflin doesn't look really sharp and they have to go to Sir Anthony or Alvarado early because they do have that falter Cindergard game coming up. I, I, th- I think Ranger Suarez, that would be his bullpen day. They maybe take a look at the blueprint of the 2019 nationals. They think how Patrick Corbin got it done. I think Ranger Suarez is the one guy that they could try to pull this off with. They're going to have to figure out a way to get some abs in, in game five, but that's what you got to do. If you're in a spot yeah. where you're trying to extend the series. I, I like it. I could see it happening if he's the, yeah, they've thrown him in all these different roles over the course of the last couple of seasons. And he's done pretty well in all of them. I, yeah. I, I, I think maybe part of that, of that take entails Zach Eflin continuing to maybe get the job done, but not looking super great like he did in the mm-hmm. wild card round. And maybe he's available for the for that spot in game four, but they trust Ranger more. Maybe he also lines up against like Harris or Olsen. Uh, so, so they like the lefty matchups more. But I think, is that, am I wrong in sort of like reading between the lines and saying that maybe that hand is forced by Zach Eflin not being phenomenal? in the first few games maybe maybe or maybe he like threw two innings in game three or something i don't know i think they're just gonna have to get creative because like you said like their bullpen depth is not the same as atlanta's where it's like i don't know even though it's his bullpen day and he just started depending how deep he goes would you trust like brad hand in a playoff game more than ranger suarez like i don't think so i wouldn't no yeah so I don't know. That's my that's my bold take. Can I touch on on Ranger a bit? Because in the context of the whole starting rotation thing, is it I'm just gonna throw this out there. They would obviously like to have Nola pitch game like one or two if if it was possible, because that would make him available for game five, whether starting right out of the pen. Is it almost a blessing in disguise to have a Ranger game one and Nola game three? Because Nola, I the big game thing has very much been disproven. I still don't know if I love him at Truist Park specifically. He's kind of struggled a bit there. I know that he 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 struggled against the Braves at home at one point over the summer too, but it just never feels like Nola at that stadium is a good combination. Having him in game three at home and then having Ranger game one, which like you want to talk about coming into a tough place to play harsh environment 
the fans are going to like that stadium's going to be you know packed um ranger the 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 slow heartbeat guy that we've talked about the last several years i think it bodes well for a game one where even if he's not like the best pitcher in the world if he struggles in that game i don't think it'll be because like the pressure of the moment yeah like it's too big for him yeah, yeah, so it's like, I, and it, I, I think Nola, I think Nola at home feels right for right yeah, now. Yeah, like the way that he's yeah. pitched, like two huge starts on on the road. Um, maybe and it's the way like that not, the fan base just loves him right now. Not, yeah, maybe it's like not the best, like in terms of like what the Phillies would map out ideally, but it feels yeah. right. It in, feels right. in a vacuum. Those two games in their own little individual vacuums, I like them. Yeah, uh, um. Yeah, I'm on board with that. All right, before we wrap this up, let's let's give our predictions, and we can we can head out, and we'll talk to everybody a little bit later. See see how this one goes. Do you want to give your your take? Who do you have winning? How many games? The last time the Phillies played in the NLDS, we know 2011, they were up two to one. They lost it. They lost the next two. I'm going to say the same thing happens. I think they lose game one. I think Freed over Suarez is a pretty clear advantage for the Braves there. I think game one is, I don't know, six to two something. I think Wheeler shoves game two. Kyle Wright, I'm not like super intimidated by him there. And I think the Phillies are just playing too well right now to go down 2-0. I think Wheeler takes that game. The Phillies win it. I don't know, four to three, four to two. And the ninth inning will be the most stressful thing in the world. And it will feel like the ninth inning of game uh, two all over again, like a hundred million times. And the top of the ninth inning on game one, it'll feel like that too. But the Phillies are going to get that done. They come out, they win game three. Nola dominates at home or at least pitches well enough. Maybe goes like, I don't know, seven innings, two runs, six inning, one run. The offense gets it done. Braves come back because they're too good also to lose in four. Braves come back, win game four against Falter slash Syndergaard question mark slash the bullpen. Maybe they have Strider that game. And then game five, it's a toss up in Atlanta. I think the Braves take that one at home. It'll probably be Freed Suarez again, which not the best matchup in the world. I think it's a like the Phillies put up a fight. If if you were to ask me this before the wild card round, I would have said if this matchup happens, it's Braves in four. The way that I saw them play and the way that they fought and were scrappy, I'm going to give them five. But I think the Braves are just the better team overall, and they're going to get it done, especially at home in a must-win situation. Yeah, I was hoping we could do a little bit of debate, but I think it's going to be uh, – I'm also going to take Braves in five. Now, there is a chance that if the Phillies go up 2-1 – even though I said that they would be up 2-1 and then lose it, there's a chance, based on how they play the first three games, if they go up 2-1, I'm like, they're going to close this thing out in four or five because I do think there is something happening with this group, and I think it might be the kind of something that gives them, uh, helps them out against the Braves. And I, I, I don't think, again, you said it too, I don't think them beating the Braves is out of the question at all. No, I, I, I'm completely with you. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Phillies and Braves coming up. Big biggest series for the Phillies in a long, long time. First time in the NLDS since the the end of the last core. I have if, one more note. Sure. Because you reminded me. Can we talk about how the Mets didn't sell out game three and the Phillies, both of their home games against the Braves, sold out in 
like five minutes. Yeah, pretty bad. That's that's pretty kind of bad wild. look. Pretty bad look. And the red rally towels, CVP is going to be something. Yeah, I mean, right right now it's just it's it's kind of wild how quickly things can turn. The Mets were like selling out or nearly selling out games left and right in September, and the Phillies were struggling to get people in the building, and now the Mets are out of it, and the Phillies are still in the playoffs they have a home playoff game coming up and and seemingly it looks like everybody's bought in it's going to be going to be a fun scene with, with playoff baseball coming back to philadelphia so right. all right thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you next time